Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. The key to influencing your audience. That is the topic for today's conversation on the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Hello and welcome back. This is Darren Mitchell, host of the program, and uh, trust you've had a really productive week that you've uh, struck, uh, hit all the bases, struck gold, and done all the things to move the dial forward towards being exceptional and driving those sustainable results, not just for you, but also for your team. And in today's episode, I do want to talk about this topic because I think it's really, really relevant, not just for sales leaders, but certainly for sales teams that are spending a huge amount of time preparing and trying to pitch to win new business, trying to influence people to do things, trying to sell products, trying to sell service, and also trying to sell ideas. And it's almost it's almost a topic that many people, for whatever reason, tend to gloss over or certainly don't spend enough time doing. And they do this to their own detriment. Now, I've seen this happen time and time and time again. Now, this might sound like a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway, that if you fail to plan, you simply plan to fail. And so you might be sitting there thinking about, okay, what is the key to influencing your audience? And an audience could be a huge group of people. It could be an industry forum. It could be a, um, a small group in terms of customers. It could be an internal team. It could be one person. So whatever the size of the audience, the key to influencing that audience is a thing called planning and preparation. Sounds really, really sexy, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It's not charismatic. It is not, uh, it is not sexy, but I guarantee you when we do this really, really well, we significantly improve the opportunities and therefore the probability of us getting a great result than if we just winged it and tried to get through without the preparation. Now, planning and preparation, it's fundamental to driving exceptional results. Now, I think as a sales leader, we, we intrinsically know that, but the question is how much time do we actually spend, certainly as sales leaders, spending time, investing time, investing mind space to actually prepare. Now, this could be preparing for a team meeting. This could be preparing for a one-on-one with one of your teams. And it certainly could be preparing for a senior executive conversation or presentation to a, to a group. And so it's very, very rarely that, and you might be lucky once in a blue moon, right? And it's, it's never happened to me, so hands up, it's never ever happened to me that I've never actually caught lightning in a bottle where I've gone into a presentation, gone into a situation where I have to influence an audience and by winging it, I've won. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, hey, well, that's happened to me multiple times. And if that's the case, hey, double thumbs up to you. Uh, well done, right? But most, in most occasions, and in fact, probably 99.9% of the time, the lack of planning will shine through and play out in the conversation, in the pitch, in the presentation. And so it's just so vital that we as sales leaders spend time, invest time, and make sure our team spends time in planning for pitches, planning for situations, planning for meetings, planning for certainly discussions, planning for workshops, and it goes without saying, planning to get great results. Now, if you look at any professional organization right now, and hey, football is a classic example right now, or any sport, teams spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of time planning and preparing for the game. They have to start looking at the opposition team. They have to look at their strengths and weaknesses. They have to do a whole host of analysis so that they are ready and prepared for what might be thrown at them on that particular occasion. And if you listen to coaches, the way they spend their time throughout the week, they'll do a review of the previous game for, for maybe the first second, first or second day after the game. And then the rest of the week, he's starting to look forward to prepare for the next opposition because typically the environment will be different. 
the people, the makeup of the team will be different and therefore they're going to have different things to focus on and therefore be prepared for different scenarios as they potentially play out on the game day. And so from a sales leadership point of view, we need to be doing exactly the same thing. Because when we do, it means there's a higher level of predictability that comes into not just the planning, but the confidence around execution. So there's more likelihood that we'll be prepared for whatever's thrown at us and the predictability of the result can actually start to increase. And therefore, the level of confidence that we have can also start to increase as we get into the actual pitch, the actual situation, the actual meeting. And so it's a really important topic for all of us as leaders to grasp hold of and really get better at. And I've got to say, I had a great conversation this morning with uh, with an awesome client, Mark. And Mark, big uh, big shout out to you. And thank you for prompting me to cover this in this particular episode because it's something we talked about this morning. And that is getting prepared for a presentation, a pitch, generating ideas, or in Mark's case, presenting to the board of directors of the organization. So uh, Mark, this this one's for you, mate. So hopefully it's uh, worthwhile. And I know the pitch next week to the board of directors is going to be a ripping one. So best of luck with that. So guys, this is the um, this is what we want to cover off today. That's It's planning for a, a pitch, planning for a presentation, going through a process to make sure that we are literally prepared for what could be thrown at us so that we maximize the opportunities of getting a great result. And the result potentially becomes more and more predictable the more we do that. Now, there's a nine-step process I want to step through at a really high level, and this comes from, it doesn't, it doesn't come from me, this comes from a guy called Peter Rogen, who started an organization called Rogen, which then became Rogen SI, and Peter, back in the day, I think back in the late 1960s, was working in New York, uh, In he was actually working on Broadway, and when he wasn't working on Broadway, he was working in the New York advertising industry, helping advertisers and marketers pitch their ideas to win business in the agency space. Uh, so he had a background in obviously theatre, but he was also quite creative. And he created this presentation structure, which I'm going to do a separate session probably next week on some of the different structures that he created that helps us when it comes to actually delivering a presentation, delivering a pitch, delivering an idea to really influence and get the outcomes. But I do want to, in today's episode, spend some time on the preparation part because it's often been said that the winning deals, the winning bids, and sometimes the winning games are actually won in the preparation phase, not necessarily in the delivery phase. So if we can get this part really, really dialed in and get really good at this, then it certainly exponentially increases our opportunity to get the great result when we are delivering the actual pitch, having the actual conversation, delivering the actual presentation. So I want to take you through the nine key steps. And if you want to take notes, great. If you need a copy of this, please send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au. More than happy to send you a copy of this. Plus, there's also a presentation structure that goes with this, but uh, I'll, ta- I'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. So let's talk about this. Step number one. Number one is the most important part. I'm going to go from, in this, in this time, today's episode, these points are going to be in a order of importance. So it starts from number one. Number one is the first thing we need to do when it comes to planning for a pitch a presentation, a conversation, an influencing situation is to do this. Understand our audience. So it's an audience analysis. Who are, Who's going to be there? Who am I going to be having a conversation with? Who's going to be in the audience? Now, sometimes you be you might be presenting to a big group that you don't know who is there. But what we do know is there's going to be certain people in there who will be of a certain characteristic, whether that be they might be looking for detail, they might be bottom line focused, they might be looking for what's in it for the team, but they also might be looking at what's in it for them. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to start thinking about the different types of people and what might resonate with those different types of people as a starting point to think about, okay, I need to begin to formulate my messaging to cater for some of these people. 
when you do know the people who are going to be actually in there, so for example, you're going into a, a meeting with only two or three people and you know who they're going to be, then you, you've got a much better idea about what they potentially are going to be looking for. So who are they? What do they want? So what's important to them? And also why are they going to be there? What, what are they looking to get out of this particular presentation or this particular situation or conversation? And this might mean that you've got to do some analysis around uh, asking some questions and finding out from them what they're looking for. What would be an out, ideal outcome from their perspective in terms of having some time spent with you in this particular situation. So doing that audience analysis up front is absolutely critical because it gives us a benchmark and a foundation of who the key players are going to be in the presentation, who I need to influence, but also how do they think, what's important to them. So that's point number one. Step number one is your audience analysis. Once you've got that dialed in, step number two is, okay, what is your objective? What is the purpose? What is the objective of the presentation? What's the objective of the conversation? What's the objective of the pitch? You need to know from your perspective, what does success look like? What is an ideal outcome for you? Now, there are three key things to think about when it comes to the objective of the presentation or the objective of the pitch. And that is, you've got to think about what is it you want your audience to think? How is it that you want your audience to feel? Because only through feeling something is the third part, what is it that you want your audience to actually do? So the point of every single meeting, the point of every single presentation is to have a call to action. So there must be something that comes out of it that you want your audience to do. It could be, I want them to tick the box. I want them to agree with my strategy. I want them to give me resources. I want them to give me their business. Whatever the case might be, you need to have some form of call to action. So point number two, step number two is, all right, what is my objective? What does success look like? What do I want my audience to think? How do I want my audience to feel? And what specifically do I, do I want my audience to do? What call to action is there going to be as part of the objective of the presentation? Lock that in. You're ready to go to number, number three, step number three. Having done your audience analysis, having done your objective of the presentation or the objective of the pitch, you can now start thinking about, all right, what sort of information do I need to start collecting? What sort of research do I need to start doing? How do I need to grab this information and start sifting it and start sorting it to make sure that I've got the information that's going to be relevant that will link directly to the outcome I'm looking for, which is also linked to the audience analysis I've done, which is going to match what I know they're looking for. And so one of the things I use with Mark today, and I use this often in workshops, is I'll say, okay, I've got a metaphorical box of Lego. And in that Lego is a stack of different colors blocks. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to put them out on the table. And what I'm going to ask the audience to do is to pick out the yellow pieces and to start building a yellow cube. Now, that gives all the information to them, but it provides all the data as well. So they have to go through and sift through the information to get the relevant pieces in order for them to build the yellow cube, which I've actually asked them to do. Now, the, the point about this part is the research, making sure it's all relevant, is it would have been easier and more commonsensical, if that's a word, or more common sense, more logical, to just give them the yellow pieces of Lego. Instead of giving them all the different colors, just give them the yellow ones and simply ask them to make a cube. So this is what, this is what we need to be starting to think about when it comes to part number three or step three when you're doing the research. Chances are, whatever you're pitching for, whatever you're presenting, there's going to be a plethora of information available to you, and the temptation may well be to give the audience as much as you can possibly give them, right? You've got to be aware of overload. Now, one of the things I said to Mark this morning is it needs less is more, and this is a mantra that I've always started to think about when it comes to pitching, presenting, and certainly running workshops, less is more. If people need more information, guess what they're going to do? They're going to ask you a question. Rather than bombard them with all this information and then expect them to do the sifting, what if we did the sifting up front and just collected the information that's going to be relevant 
that is going to be consistent with the objective of the presentation and then do that. So that's the key part of part number three, making sure you collect the right information that's going to be relevant to the objective of your presentation. Once you've nailed that in, step number four becomes, okay, based on that, what sort of structure am I going to use in terms of presenting this particular presentation, delivering this message? And there's various different structures that we can use. And I'm not going to be prescriptive on, on this episode in terms of which ones to use, but every single structure that is useful has three key components. They have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end. So whatever structure you choose to use, it needs to be consistent with the objective of the presentation. Obviously, the audience analysis you've done, but also making sure that the information you have gathered will fit easily into that structure. So that's point number four, choosing a structure. Point number five is where a lot of people get a little bit mixed up. And and many times when I'm talking to teams and working with them in terms of helping them to pitch, they'll actually start building a presentation at, at step number one. And this is a mistake. Go through the previous four steps before we get to step number five, which is selecting the visual aids. Now, one of the things I pride myself on is working with teams and working with sales leaders to get to the point where they don't need to have any PowerPoint to support them in their presentation. And in many cases, they don't actually need notes either to be able to present a really compelling message. But point number five is to think about, okay, what visual aids do I need in order to impact the audience in order to influence my audience. So it could well be that there's a PowerPoint deck you need to put in place. Or it may well be you can make use of a whiteboard that happens to be in the room you're going to be presenting. Or there might be a flip chart. Or if you're doing something virtually, you might be able to connect an iPad, for example, to your laptop and project the image of your iPad and do some drawings on that particular iPad. So point number five and step number five is to think about, all right, based on the presentation structure that I'm putting together, based on the objective of the presentation, What visual aids do I need to have that will support me? Now, this is the key point when it comes to visual aids. Too many people, unfortunately, think that the visual aids, and most people think visual aids when they think about that, they think about PowerPoint. They'll think about PowerPoint as being, if I put as much information on the PowerPoint slide as I possibly can, then that will be the presentation. And all I have to do is literally read it. Well, if you read the presentation, you're going to lose your audience very, very quickly. So the key thing to remember here is your visual aid needs to be there to support you it is not there to replace you. So if you don't need to have anything in a visual aid perspective to support your message, then don't have it. Again, come back to this thing of less is more. So selecting your visual aids is is step number five. Step number six then is having done the previous five, you can now start thinking about, all right, let's do a read through. Now a read through could just be a walkthrough in terms of what the presentation structure is gonna look like what the uh, key points are going to be, what I need to say at what, sort of, um, at what sort of juncture, what sort of questions am I going to ask. And the whole point of this is you ask a question because you're drawing back through the read-through, you're going back to point number one, the audience analysis, and asking the question, so what? As you read through information, as you look through information, if you ask that question, so what, you'll very quickly be able to confirm, first of all, whether all the information is relevant based on the analysis you've done around the audience, or it may well be you need to add some things, or in some cases you might actually have to remove some things from the presentation in order to increase your ability to influence. So it means it's it's like trimming the fat, if you like. Uh, Again, thinking about less is more. So the read-through is a really important step because it gives you a bit of a sanity check as to what you've got included in the presentation, whether you need to add anything, whether you need to remove anything. Once you've done that, you can go very quickly to step number seven where you start to rehearse. And this is a key point that a lot of People miss, certainly leaders miss, and I often ask this question actually, can you rehearse too much? And I get a variance of answers, but a lot of times people say, no, you can't rehearse too much, and others say you can. Well, the answer to that question is, well, it depends. And it depends based on this. 
if you think about going to the movies and you watch a B-grade movie, and in the B-grade movie, you typically have B-grade and C-grade actors. In those particular movies, you don't necessarily get fully engrossed in the story and the actor doesn't draw you in as part of their character. Uh, and what you start to see is the B-grade or C-grade actors tend to be looking as though they're simply rehearsing lines or they're simply delivering lines. Now, you compare that, therefore, to an A-grade movie, a blockbuster movie, where you've got a character that really draws you in and you feel as if you're actually part of the story. That's an example of somebody who is really engrossed in the actual character. They've done a stack of rehearsal, but they then become the character. So when it comes to rehearsing, you can't rehearse too much if you're trying to be the character and draw out the character because what should be able to happen, you could rehearse a presentation in 5, 10, 15, 100 different ways. The content will be the same, but the way you deliver it each time could be slightly different. And so what this does, it gives you a level of confidence. It certainly gives you a level of control, but also gives you a level of flexibility when it comes to then delivering the presentation, delivering the pitch, because you've rehearsed it. You don't have to sit there and memorize what to say. You've got the key points and you've got confidence to be able to deliver those key points and utilize whatever's happening in the room to make sure the message gets across. So rehearse, 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 rehearse. That's the key thing. You can't rehearse enough unless you're trying to just memorize the lines, and that's not what it's about, and it's certainly not what exceptional sales leaders do. So rehearse a lot. Now, step number eight, therefore, is once you've done all of those things, you should be able to move into the actual delivery of the presentation itself, delivery of the pitch, and this might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but you go in there and you have fun. You're literally delivering the message, delivering the, the outcome, delivering the presentation. This is where a lot of people fall down because they don't have fun. And the reason they don't have fun is because they haven't done the previous steps enough or they haven't done the previous steps at all. They've just gone in and they've winged it. So delivery really should be, and this is why it's point number eight, having done all the previous seven steps, you should have a level of confidence that you can deliver and have fun in that presentation. And you somewhat remove yourself from the, out the outcome because you know if you deliver according to how you've rehearsed and all the work you've done, you know the outcome will literally take care of itself. Now, I've got to say that in nine times out of 10, that will happen if we've done the preparation correctly. And then point number nine is a bit of a wrap up. And it's the important thing we do that at the end of the presentation, we have a step in place to do a review. And that is think about what worked really well, but also what didn't work as well. So what are the wins and what are the lessons? The key thing about this, though, is the review should not be done immediately after the presentation or after the pitch or after the conversation. We need to create some space between the end of that presentation or pitch and when we conduct the review. So I often like to say, give it about 24 hours, 12 hours as a minimum before you start do the doing the review because when you do the review, you'll have a little bit more of a pragmatic view of it. You'll be thinking a little bit more rationally and a lot less emotionally. So there you have it. There are the nine steps to planning a presentation, planning a pitch, planning a meeting, planning anything that involves influencing. And it literally is the key to influencing your audience. Now, if you do this really well, I guarantee your results will start to take care of themselves and you'd be amazed at what sort of results you're going to get. And through this process, by the way, what level of confidence you're going to start developing when it comes to pitching. You will be looking for proactively opportunities to pitch, to present, to get in front of people because you've done the done the work and you've built the, I guess you've built the influencing muscle. So look, I trust that message resonates. I hope that helps. Hope that helps you, but also hope it helps your team when it comes to spreading the gospel, increasing your influence in the areas that you want to increase your influence in. And of course, as a reminder, if you'd like some help with any of this, and of course, if you'd like some help with taking your leadership to the exceptional sales leader level, 
then let's start working together. Simply go to my calendar, you know the drill, leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll have a conversation, and we'll start helping you become that exceptional sales leader in under 90 days. So with that said, have a phenomenal weekend. Look forward to talking to you next week on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.